Welcome to the Millennial Recruiter Podcast, the podcast for forward-thinking recruiters. On this episode, I'm joined by Kate Garbett. Kate is the proud head of Office Angels. And the reason why I wanted to speak to Kate is because Office Angels were one of the brands that I really enjoyed working with as a trainer. The reason why I enjoyed working with them is I found them to be incredibly consultative, incredibly candidate-focused, and really all about providing positive experiences to their candidates, their clients, and their colleagues. So I thought I'd invite Kate onto the Millennial Recruiter podcast so she could tell me a bit more about how Office Angels create such a winning culture. I really hope you enjoy this episode. And if you do, it's always awesome for me if you could leave a review on whatever platform you listened on. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. Kate, thank you so much for, for coming on to the Millennial Podcast this morning. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thank you for having me. It's, it's lovely to be a guest. I've uh, listened to some of the podcasts. We've really enjoyed it. So it's nice to be here. Fantastic. And I, I've been really excited about doing this podcast because, as I mentioned to you when I approached you, Office Angels were probably one of my favourite brands to ever work with as a trainer. And it is mega exciting to speak to someone who is now the head of Office Angels. But obviously, like, you, you started at the very beginning. So do you want to tell us a bit more about your, your journey within Office Angels? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's lovely to hear, Ben. Thank you. It's it's always nice when people have enjoyed working with the brand. Um, I, it was bizarre, to be honest. I, uh, If I'm really honest with you, I had no idea what a recruitment agency even did. Um, that's how little my, my knowledge was. Um, I was living in the Midlands at the time in hospitality, and I moved to the south, and I literally saw the sign for Office Angels on the roundabout, pink sign, and I said to my other half, what do Office Angels do? And he said, oh, they're a recruitment agency. And I was like, I don't really know what a recruitment agency do, but I do know I want to move down south, and I don't really know where to go next. Knew I'd wanted to sort of move out of hospitality um, and I, I, I just booked an appointment to go in and see them and um, chatted away to the team and as happens to so many people they uh, you know they talked to me and said have you ever thought about recruitment I said, no um, and I'd done hospitality management before so I'd managed quite a lot of people and I'd managed a business but but I didn't see myself in recruitment or in sales um, and they said, look, you know, you, this won't be for you long term, but we've got we just need a tent to help us out. Would you come and help us out for a few months while you find your feet in the south and get used to things and just tent for us doing some basic admin? That's all we need. And I was like, yeah, absolutely not a problem. So obviously started, I mean, like everyone, in the, they, they spoke in acronyms. I hadn't got a clue what anybody was talking about. I was like, oh, my God, what have I done? Um, and then I realized it was just about people. Um, and then they convinced me to apply for a, a permanent um, consultant role, which I was absolutely convinced I couldn't do, um, and said, no, I can't do that. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a service person. I can't do that. Um, and then I sort of started to see, okay, actually, this is this is good. And if you put people first, actually, people quite like that. Um, and so, yeah, I literally started in 2004 as a temp. 2005, I went permanent. 2006, I became a permanent consultant. Loved, loved, loved being a permanent consultant. And then in 2008, my branch manager retired and I went oh god I don't want to do that job and they were saying but we really want you to do it and I was going no but I love my job I don't want to do it so then I became the branch manager uh, I doth test too much throughout my career um, and then loved that absolutely loved my team learned temps and then they sort of 
gave me more responsibility, training other branch managers. And we have a great structure. We, I became a senior business manager, then a principal business manager. So there was always opportunity. Um, and then in 2014, the area opportunity came up, which was 15 branches, which again, I was like, no, never set out to do that. It was never what I wanted to do. I always just wanted to be the best at the job I did. And as long as I was happy, I was okay with that. And I think that's quite nice for, for some of your listeners to hear, because I think I was often told, unless you want something, unless you know that's what you want, you'll never get there. And actually, I didn't know that's what I wanted. I had no idea that's what I wanted. And I was just lucky to have brilliant people above me who saw something in me and said, come on, go on, you can do this. Let us support you. I promise you, you've got this. You know, let's let's do it together. Um, and so, yeah, I looked after the, the Southeast for, gosh, six years loved it absolutely five years absolutely loved it um we beat london that was always my aim was to beat the london region because it was a very very established region of office angels and i wanted to do that and then in 2017 so yeah it must have been end of 17 um they asked me if i would step up to be the executive director for office angels and so here I am in, in 2021, head of Office Angels. And if you'd have asked me if that's what I was going to be doing when I walked in that day, I would have told you you were completely and utterly mad. <laughs> I think that's such a brilliant story, though. Like, it just shows. And, and you know what, Kate? I, I love your honesty. I think often in life, people put so much pressure in hitting goals and wanting to be something. It doesn't have to be that way. And it sounds like you really enjoyed your journey of progression. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that sometimes we forget that everybody's different and that some people absolutely know I want to be the managing director one day. And, and that's brilliant. And that's a great thing, too. And I've got many people who I want to help get on that journey, too. But equally, sometimes there are people that maybe haven't put their hand up and said, yes, that's what I want, but have got the ability and have got the, the skills to do it. And so I love that, that you can see something in somebody and help them realize something they didn't actually know was was possible and and I think that means that you get a more balanced then team which actually is really nice definitely and I think one thing you've already mentioned is the idea of people first and service first now I think the reason why I wanted to really have this podcast episode with you because my experience of being a trainer within the ADECO group and spending a lot of time working with Office Angels as a brand was because I saw that. I saw mm. the whole service side. I, I remember actually once when I was in an OA branch and I, it was really good in, in terms of the L&D team. They, they sent me into a branch to see how certain top performers were doing things. And I was with a consultant as she was interviewing a candidate. And I remember that the candidate had their CV there and the consultant moved the CV away and said... <laughs> you're more than just two pages of the paper. Do you want to tell me about you, what it is you really want? What was your long-term career? How important do you think it, that people first and service first approach is in terms of creating the, the mega brand that Office Angels is? It, it, it's, it is everything. It is the pinnacle, Ben, and I think it's, it's so true. It's easy for people to say, but it's actually not easy for it to be genuine and it be meant because, of course, businesses exist to make money, right? We all know that. That's why everybody has to make money. But I've always believed and it's always been the ethos of the culture. And I think it's why I was OK going from service into recruitment, because that was the culture of Office Angels already before I joined. Um, but it's my ethos and the company's ethos has always been if you put people first, 
then the money will come. And so that means the decisions that, that we make as a business and that we, our recruiters make is what's best for our candidates, because that's absolutely critical. What's best for our, best for our clients and our customers and what's best for our people. And I think that's how you build relationships and you build trust. And I've always been a firm believer that if you, if you try and make a quick buck, you know, if you try and sort of shortcut things and find ways to do things because you want that placement, you want that deal or you want that client, you make the wrong decisions because actually, is it best for the person that you're putting into that job? Are you changing somebody's life for the better or are you just doing it to make a quick placement? Because actually, the long-term implications of getting that wrong far outweigh that one small amount of money that you make off that one placement because that company aren't going to come back to you again that candidate's certainly not going to come back to you again and the likelihood is they're going to recommend and not recommend you and, and tell other people that that's what you've done so for me it was always about you have to start with your own people first because I've always said this if we don't give exceptional service to our own colleagues and they don't get looked after how can I expect them to deliver outstanding service that's the first thing so to me, I come from a five-star, four-star, five-star hotel background, so I'm used to service first, and that's how I've always been in my career. And I think you're right that if you, people can tell if that's genuine, as you said when you started working with Office Angels. It, we don't say these things because it sounds good. It's just how we are, and we love people. We want to get to know people, what makes people tick. And that's the beautiful part of recruitment, isn't it? That you get to match people to companies and it's not just about can they do the job it's are they going to fulfill their aspirations there but also are they going to make a difference and add value to that company and so uh, we see our job as almost matchmakers in that sense in that it's about trying to find that way and you just simply can't do that if all you're thinking about is the pound signs and the, and the money at the end it, it drives you in the wrong direction yeah no I, I massively agree with you on that and I think it, it really looked, when I was working with OA, it really changed, I think, some of my behaviours and how I thought about things. Because I, I have seen it before where I, I was quite lucky where as a consultant, I was trained by a guy who was very much service orientated and said money's a byproduct of mm. doing a great, great job for people. And that stuck with me. But I think OA even took that to another level where, as I said, like on average, I think I would see candidate consultants spending 30 to 60 minutes with a candidate mm. whereas I, I remember working with a business once and our average candidate calls 15 minutes and I was yeah. thinking is that really enough I mean how much time do you think consultants should be putting into candidates it's really interesting and I say this a lot to my consultants that we listen and we're going here she goes again off on a soapbox and I always say the same thing when you start in recruitment or whether you've been in recruitment for years our product is the candidate that that is what we are selling and we work candidate led we don't go out to market looking for vacancies or bookings we go out with a candidate that we really believe in and we we create an opportunity for them so if i was starting again in recruitment tomorrow on a brand new desk in a brand new area what would i do well the first thing i would do is spend the first month building up my candidate portfolio good quality candidates who really really are the right people that you want to represent and you know we all know what a good candidate looks like in terms of what does the market look for what kind of but actually 
just because it says on a piece of paper, as you said earlier on a CV, they've worked five years in procurement, for example, what makes that procurement person better than another person? And you just don't know that from five minutes on the phone with somebody. And I often think as well, and I say this to the consultants a lot, you get more out of somebody if you get to know them on a personal level. Work more than ever has blended with life, you know, particularly over the last 12 months. And what people want from their next role and what they're going to give to that company very much depends on the whole package, not just what they're going to be doing Monday to Friday. And the bit that for me is most important is it's the time you spend to understand what makes that candidate tick, what's truly important to them, what do they do in their role that makes them good? Why, why would their company not want, you know, not want them to, look to, 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 to go? Because actually that's the critical point that you've got. And what is it that they need in their next role to be happy? Because that's how your clients are going to get the best out of them. So yeah. Understanding that for me is, is the most important part. And actually, I don't believe you can truly find a candidate a job if you don't know that. So that meeting, that 45 minutes, half an hour, an hour, and we don't have a KPI on how long you spend, whether it's, you know, uh, you must get through a million people. It's quality over quantity, it always has been. I would rather somebody have three really great candidates that they're representing, that they really have taken the time to get to know. And because of that, they know who they should be speaking to. As a, as a consultant, as a salesperson, it makes your life a lot easier if you know who you should be talking to. And where people go wrong, in my opinion, is they do this quality over this uh, quantity over quality piece where it's like let's just get loads of candidates and spam them out I'll just send them out like sweeties um, you know on emails on in shops and I'll just get them out to as many people as possible it undermines everything that we are as consultants and the key is in the name our job title is consultants yeah. we are here to consult our candidates and we're here to consult our clients and I don't believe you have any right to consult anybody if you haven't asked questions first. And I, I give an analogy quite regularly that when you go to the doctors, you don't walk in the door and they open their cupboards and they say, these are all the drugs. Let me tell you about this one. Let me tell you about this one. The first thing they say is tell me, how are you feeling? What's going on? Yeah. And it's the same for a candidate or a client. You have to understand what their needs are, what they're looking for before you can even offer a solution and advise and that's why it's so important to work from the candidate out and to get to know them than it is do it the other way around. Yeah, it is like almost funny you talk about that because I was uh, recollecting about one of the favourite people that I trained in my training career and it was someone who was uh, in OA. And I remember the first time I met her and she, she would really take time to get to know people she enjoyed listening to people and I think as a case study um, she in her first sort of 14-15 months in recruitment build a really good amount of money on perm but rather than do that quantity of trying to call as many clients as possible and speeding through phone calls and, and consult uh, and candidates she actually took a lot of time and that really sort of meant to me about how the recruitment industry has changed. Like I remember when I first started in recruitment in, well, probably 2009, that I was competing against people that didn't treat candidates good. Like for you, how, how do you see that the marketplace has changed over the last 15 to 20 years? 
Yeah, I think it's changed a lot in the time. And I think you're absolutely right. We go back to, and I call it the 1980s school of recruitment. You know, it, it was quite, um, you know, there was a reputation that recruiters had. And actually, I, I'm embarrassed by that reputation because I think that, you know, like you, this is a profession. This is actually about being professional and doing the right thing. And it's a shame that that, that was there. That that culture had a place, you know, there was a time and the world was a different place. But what's changed is that people now place value on honesty, on integrity, more than I think they ever have. I think people accepted things 20 years ago. They accepted that maybe it was OK that it was like that. And if a client said to you, I only want men over this age, it was harder to push back, you know, to a client. We are very selective. We're selective over the candidates and we're selective over the clients that we work with because it has it's a partnership and you have to mirror each other's values. That's really important. So I think people place more value now than ever before on a trusting relationship with a person, not just a company, not just a, a, an organization with the person that they work with, the consultant that that is. And so I don't think you can any longer almost get away with being one of those quantity over quality consultants because very quickly you will get found out because companies and people expect a certain level of um integrity honesty and they want to work with people that that challenge them because actually we're doing recruitment every day and we can advise our clients we can advise our candidates and we should be able to do that but if all we do is not listen and tell everybody what we're doing you don't learn, you don't develop, and then you're unable to, to consult your clients and you're unable to consult your candidates. So I think that's the biggest shift I've seen is that what clients are looking for now is a solution, not just a person. You know, they want us to help them shape their business. They want to find somebody that's going to help push their business forward. And so they need our expertise. They need us to, you know, it, 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 talk to them about what their opportunities are. And sometimes talk to them about things they hadn't thought about, yeah. different opportunities. Um, and that's where I see the role of a recruiter has changed for the better, because it's become more of a 360 role than it ever was even, because it's not just about sales and ringing knocking on doors and saying give us a vacancy yeah. um and of course there's always a bit of luck in that you know if we all sat and made 100 sales calls you'd all have a, a chance of getting something from that but there's a fine line and there's a balance equally you can't do one call a day and speak to one client a day because you're never going to build relationships so there's always a fine line and a balance I think. of course i think that, that was going to be almost leading me on to my next question now, we, we've spoken about doing recruitment the right way, particularly on the candidate side. And as you said before, like if you put people first, the money comes. Now, well, one thing that I always remembered in terms of other commercial brands, Office Angels do have, a, they, they do well. Like there are a lot of consultants that I trained at Office Angels are some of the top performing consultants that I've trained. And um, I remember occasionally going into the, the London office in 2015-16 and being around uh, a, a load of girls in their mid to, uh, mid to late 20s who were smashing it out of the ballpark mm -hmm. but they were doing things the right way what do you think allowed office angels to be able to sell a recruitment service in a highly competitive market 
and win more high value clients than their competitors yeah it's a, it's the magic the magic thing isn't it and it's it, it's probably belief is is the biggest thing i genuinely believe and i believe my consultants believe that they they're here to do the, a good job and they want long term relationships with the customers that we work with and if you are really honest with a client and in fact there's a lot of times in my career where i said to a customer we can't help you find that person right now. You're looking for something that we just can't find in the market right now. It doesn't exist. I can keep giving you the wrong people or I can try and fit a square peg in a round hole or I can be really honest with you and I can say to you, this is what I think we can find you or I'll say to you, actually, at this particular moment, we can't help. And that's, I think, bizarrely, why we've managed to get the reputation that we've got because we are honest and we are truthful and if we can't help we say we can't help and that's an advice I'd give to your to your listeners is that if you can't do something don't, don't tell your clients you can you know you you absolutely never ever ever over promise and under deliver it's the worst thing you can ever do it's far better to be upfront and be honest because the amount of times I've done that in my career is, is, is not hundreds, but those companies come back to you. Those people understand and appreciate your honesty and they then come back to you and they become your best clients in the end because they, they want a, a relationship that's honest. I think it's also the, the, the service that we provide. So from a client perspective, we're not the cheapest agency. You're absolutely right. You've said it. We don't profess to be. And we don't want to be because you made the point earlier. If we spend an hour with a candidate, you know, we haven't got we, we, we if, based on if we were to just be charging, you know, 10 a penny here and there. We couldn't do that. We physically couldn't do that. The reason we are a little bit more expensive, not ridiculously, but we are a little bit more expensive is that the clients know that they are getting that quality service. They are they're paying us to do the job for them. And that's the bit I sometimes never understand. You know, we've all been there, that client that goes to every agency there is. They send a job description out. They don't want to speak to you to talk to you about the job role. They want you to send CVs through a portal or on an email. They don't want you to tell you about the candidate. I walk away from those clients and I say, I can't help you right now. This is what we can do for you. And this is how we work differently. But we hold all the risk as recruiters when you're doing contingent workers because we only charge the client on contingent if we make a placement so we are the ones doing all of that work up front and so it is about that belief and I think those people that have really succeeded and done well do know that and they go to a client and they say look this is what I will do for you I'm going to sit down with you and understand your business not only understand the role, understand your business. What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? What does this person mean? Because a person in any company is what makes it tick. So therefore, if we understand how that person fits into the bigger organization, what they can do, we can help them find the best person to make their business better. We are supposed to be consulting our client. We should have done the first stage interviews for them. We should be only recommending. We're not a CV service. We should be recommending the very best people for our clients to meet should save them time because they haven't got to go out to lots of different people they haven't got to waste their time interviewing people that aren't good enough and and what's been brilliant during the pandemic is we we bought a, a video interview software back in february last year and thank god we did before the pandemic um because it's been allowed it's allowed us to bring our candidates to life with with clients without them having to necessarily book a face-to-face -face meeting um and for, for us it's about putting people in front of the client that they go oh they really did listen and, oh, do you know what? That person's not even quite what I thought I needed, 
but they're even more what I thought, what, what, what I need. Um, and, and that trust, that is where the difference comes. So what we tend to find is the first time we work with a client, they go, you're all the same. All agencies are the same. There's no difference. And we're not coming to you exclusively. So we have to then really prove ourselves. We have to show them this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. We then place that candidate and we don't go away when we place the candidate. That is not what we do. We keep in touch with that candidate. We keep in touch with that client because we want to make sure that that journey continues. It's never just, oh, let's get through the rebate period and who cares what happens after that because they're never going to come back to you. Why would they want to come back to you if you've done it wrong? So it's all about understanding how that's happening, what's working, what's not working. Can we support that? And it might be adding other advice. We do a lot for free. And I think we've talked about this before, Ben. You have to add value to your clients. You know, it's not about charging for every single thing we do. Yeah. If a client says to me, I'm thinking about growing my marketing team, but I, I don't even know where to start. I'm not even there yet. We might just talk to them about it. We might introduce another client that's done something to them and get them to have a conversation. And in fact, I might even say, if it's a director of marketing role, I'm not the best person to recruit this for you. Let me put you in touch with somebody that is. Because, and when you get to these roles, I'm there and I'll help. But that's where the trust comes in. And so what tends to happen is that client uses us once. They then see the difference. And at that point, they go, okay, yes, you're 400, 500 pounds more expensive than the other agency. You're saving me that in time. I've got better value for money because I get the consultative service. And this is a long-term relationship. So I think that's probably where, that was a very long answer, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 that was perfect. And it, it's really funny, actually. You, you reminded me of a, a conversation I had with a, an OA consultant who, on a big temporary contract, used to go in and do like a, a HR-type workshop once a month. And yeah. I remember speaking to her about her success so I could share it with other people that I was training. And she said, I think the client almost feel like they need to use me for everything or need to come to me first because I'm always giving tangible value. And I think in recruitment, it's become uh, me and two of my directors were, were talking about it once. Everyone says they go the extra mile. But I think, I, and I, I've seen this firsthand, I think Office Angels genuinely are one of the businesses that do go the extra mile. They're always looking to add value in this way or add value in that way. So that, that was a phenomenal answer game. Yeah, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely right. It is value and it is just about, you know, the temp surgeries, you're absolutely right. You know, we've got clients who've got, we don't have lots of clients because Office Angels specialise in small and medium. So we don't yeah. have companies that have 150 temps. Everyone's a person. Yeah. So we might have a company that have, you know, 10 temps and that would be a lot for us. But you're absolutely right. That temps consultant is on site once a month down with those with those candidates talking to them. You know, what do they need? Have they got any concerns on their holiday? Is there anything we can help them with and with the client? Because it doesn't. It, of course, we don't charge the client for that. That's just part of the service. But you know, as well as I do, that one of the flip sides of all of this is, yes, it's your time, but you get to find out about problems before they even arise. And if there is a challenge, you've got an opportunity to fix it. You know, in my beginning of my career, you might get that call from a client that says, so-and-so is left and you don't even know. I mean, that means something's gone very wrong. You know, you've, if you don't know somebody's left a role you've placed them in, temp or perm, something's gone very wrong. Um, and it just shows you've not been keeping in touch. So the value of keeping in touch, and I think weirdly, it's one of the things my consultants say the most to me is, how do I fit it all in? Because I want to keep in touch with all these people. I want to, you know, give really good service, but it takes time. And that's why you have to value your service and charge for it. Otherwise, you can't afford to do it. 
No, exactly, exactly. I think it really is that I remember at one point doing some training and talking, and it was a mixed trainer within the ADECO group. We were talking about gatekeepers and you saw reactions from, from consultants who were like, oh, yeah, we try and get around them. And then you've got the office angels consultants who were like, yeah, the gatekeeper's our best friend. Yeah. <laughs> we we get to know them. We'll, we'll drop, drop in. We'll, we'll uh, always say hi to them. We'll always develop a relationship. And I think it's that, that thing that you said before is that there aren't really shortcuts to, to good recruitment. So you, when a consultant says to you, okay, how do I fit it all in, Kate? <laughs> what is your answer? Oh, my gosh. Isn't it the, um, it, it's the question that probably trainers get asked the most, I think. When you're training, it's always the, the question. So my answer is, work from your candidate out don't work from kpis down so when i started in recruitment it was still quite traditional it was here's your kpis you've got to do 50 sales calls you've got to do x amount of client meetings a week and that's what you've got to do we tackle it from the other direction we say you need to meet a minimum of two candidates that you're really excited about every single week that you want to represent and then you need to take them to market If you do that, you will fit everything in because you will want to get that person a job and your KPIs will look after themselves. You won't need to worry about who am I going to call because you've just interviewed, for example, a PA who's worked in engineering. So, you know, in your market, you're calling engineering companies because they're particularly valuable because they have that knowledge and that insight. So, you know, you're calling engineering companies. And that call, of course, starts with a call about that candidate to say, I'm representing Jane, this is who she is, and I want to start there. But actually, it it generally turns into a a generic conversation. And that point you made earlier about you never know who you're talking to, the gatekeeper is your best friend. To me, every single person in your local market or or your vertical that you recruit is a potential contact. They are a potential candidate. They are a potential advocate. They're a potential uh, recommendation. They're a potential client of the future. And so if you treat that person well with respect and you talk to them and you give them the information, they'll remember that and people remember how they're treated. And so for me, if you start with your candidate, you take your candidate out to market, the KPIs look after themselves because that call that you have with Brenda, who happened to answer the phone, but isn't looking for a PA right now, but tells you because you have a great rapport with her that actually we do use an agency for this particular recruitment and we've done so for a long time and they tell you a little bit of information, you build that rapport and then you start to, to know, right, okay, I need to get in touch with this person and she's going to help me because she's had a great conversation with me. And all of your actions come from that candidate out. And actually, it becomes completely proactive from a candidate rather than sitting at a desk and going, I've got to make 50 sales calls today, which is absolutely soul-destroying. And I think that's where people go very wrong in recruitment. And I think that's why people leave recruitment when they first start, because they're not trained in the right way. And they're given KPIs when they don't really understand how to have the conversations to make the KPIs work. Yeah, I think that that's a really, again, you are giving some such huge value here, Kate. I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. Oh, good. I'm glad. Uh, thank I'm you glad. so much. And on that, so for you, what, what do you think then are the characteristics of successful consultants that you've seen over the last couple of years? Yeah, do you know, we've talked about this a lot, the DNA of a great consultant. What is it? What makes them? Um, And I'm lucky to work with some of the absolute best. And and, and I know the consultants that you've been talking about. I know who you're talking about. And they're, they're brilliant. I'm lucky enough that many of them have been with us for many, many years. And I think there's a couple of things. 
my first point is that you have to be resilient and you have to be a little bit patient, which actually isn't stereotypical of, of, of salespeople. We, we all want to kind of be successful, of course, quickly. But the longer you stay in your market or your vertical, the more known you get in your area and your expertise, the more people trust you, the more respect you get, the more trusting, valued relationships you have where you can add that value. So I always say to a consultant, don't expect it all in the first 12 months. You know, every year you will get more successful if you stay in your market and you do the right things because people will trust you. And the more people that trust you, they will recommend you. So that's the first thing. I think it's about... Um, being a people person and not necessarily, if you're a greedy salesperson, in my opinion, you will only ever get so far. So I think if you're a greedy salesperson, you probably will win because there's a bit of luck. You might get, you might sort of trample over whatever you need to do to get to where you want to be once, but you'll probably have to keep moving around because people get wise to what you're doing very quickly and that runs out. So actually you make your life harder in my opinion than if you stay somewhere and you develop. I think resilience is key, um, particularly last year. Um, you know, temp recruitment last year in offices was all but gone. I mean, literally, there were no offices open to have a temp. So our poor temps consultants who were used to filling, you know, not volume because everything we do is quality, but maybe 15 to 20 bookings a week yeah. were getting one if they were lucky. And that is a bizarre way of working and obviously we want to help our candidates find a job how do you do that when there's nobody recruiting at that time and so resilience i think is really key and again it comes back down to being service first at that time they switched what they did they, they there was no point ringing clients and saying do you need this temp would we've got jenny she can do a fabulous job of your of your bookkeeping because a lot of those clients didn't need somebody so what they did is they spent that time working with their candidates looking at how we could upskill those candidates during the time so that they were had best, better cvs had the right interview prep understood how to do a video interview because that was what the market demanded um, and we tried to work with those candidates to give them transferable skills we would push the candidates to places where they could get more uh, they could upskill themselves so that we could almost help them have a better chance of finding an opportunity because there were areas that were growing during the pandemic yeah. as you know hr was incredibly busy um payroll was incredibly busy and so we had to actually use our candidates and say look let us help you let us give you this training course to upskill you on these soft skills in order for you to go and do the roles that are available right now it might not be what you want to do forever but let us help you do that um and i think if you weren't resilient you could have easily given up during that time but if you can take the positives and you can understand what you've learned and keep that, then you'll probably be successful. So I think it's it's relationship building, it's being people first and service driven, it's caring about what you do, taking pride in what you do, and it's being somebody who people genuinely want to work with. And that, that for me, so I recruit people I like. I recruit people that want to buy from people. I recruit people that are warm that want to genuinely make a difference and I don't know whether you remember this when when 20 years ago if you said to somebody when you went for an interview and recruitment I want to help people that was your biggest red you're not getting the job <laughs> 20 years ago that was like no we, that's not what we do we're here to make money 
that's exactly what we do. We, yeah. we want to help companies and we want to help people. That doesn't mean we're not a business and we don't need to make money. Of course we do. But we make money in order to be able to, to do what we do. And it's, it, it's kind of looking at it in yeah. a different way. Uh, I think it, it really resonates with me, everything you just said. So uh, one thing that I said to some of my team members last year is everything we do over the next six months in terms of the value we give will come back to us over the next five to ten years. Absolutely. And it's something I said to you actually when um, we, we were doing a call before this to discuss the podcast is one thing that was really noticeable for me was the amount of content Office Angels was putting out that was massively candidate centric. Mm. I think it just shows, doesn't it? Like if you, you have that passion to help people, then things will, will be all right for the future. I, I, I can, I know that Kate, we're going to have a chat in a couple of years' times, and Office Angels will be way beyond where it ever was pre-pandemic, just because of the things that were done. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think it is just, it's never just looking at the next five minutes. It's thinking about the future and. It's what you want your legacy to be, I think. That's the biggest thing for me is, you know, we, in 2019, I, I, I'm very, very passionate about the environment and the world that we live. I think we're incredibly lucky to live on this planet and blows my mind how we even got here and how it all works. So I, I'm very passionate about it. And um, we decided to plant a tree for every one of our employees. Um, and I remember launching it at the conference and, and seeing my team kind of welling up because it was a big thing and we did it in Scotland. And so our Scottish team were like, this is amazing. We're planting trees in the UK for our people. And, you know, yes, it's a cost, of course, but it's also a, a, you know, a brilliant thing to do for the environment. And we started, we um, expanded that last year to our candidates that we placed permanently. And we've now expanded it to our clients. So every time we place somebody, we, we, we do it for them as well. So this, this it's getting quite big, this far. It's becoming a forest rather than a, a little grove. Um, but the aim is to plant uh, 2021 by the end of uh, this year. And, and we're well on track for that. I think we will uh, do more than that. And it's, again, it's not about doing it because it ticks a box. And I think that's another thing I'd say. There's a lot of things out there that clients want right now. But don't tick boxes. Do what's real for you and do what's genuine to you. Pick the things you're passionate about as a recruiter and talk to people about that and focus on that. Don't try and tick every box just because somebody says, you've got to tick that box, you've got to tick that box, because it's so transparent and people know that that's what you're doing. Um, and I think that's where... OA is, is slightly different because we don't just think about today and tomorrow. We think about it, what a legacy to have that when Office Angels isn't around and I'm not around in many, many years to come because, you know, the world will evolve eventually, you know, in, in, in 300 years, who knows where we're all going to be. Um, you know, there'll be a forest in Scotland. And for me, that's that's what I think is is nice is to have those things and, and, and be yourself. You know, I should have said that in the who you are. You have to be yourself because if you try and be somebody else and try and clone everybody, people always say, well, you've got, you know, the same types of people. I'm like, no, we haven't. They're very different. It's about knowing what makes them tick. And, you know, but the one core thing they have is that they care about people. And that's the, that's the key. I think that, that's going to lead me on then quite nicely to, to my final question. You are managing what's going to be one of the biggest recruitment brands in the world within the UK. <laughs> if I looked at lining up every team against each other, you, you, you would certainly be up there. What, what do you think in terms of management style, managing people, what, what can people do to be great leaders like yourself, Kate? 
well thank you it's uh you know we can always learn more and you can always do better there's you know I'm, I, I say a lot nobody's perfect including me um and you know we make mistakes and you learn from them right so um there's no rule book for this you, you, you have to do it I think it's being authentic and being yourself is the biggest thing. You have to work for a company, whether it's your own or whether it's a company you work for, that you mirror values with. Because if if you don't, it will always be um, harder to make it work because you have to have that kind of core um, tr truth to yourself. So I think authenticity is key. I always say this, and I don't like the terminology, but I feel it's a bottom-up, not top-down culture. So I work from my people up, you know, for me, that I need to, of, of course, inspire them and coach them and lead them, but they can they can teach me. They have ideas. They have things that are coming forward. And, you know, it's not how it was when I was recruiting on perms in 2009. I have to, you know, and so I, I still have very regular conversation with clients. I'm still in the branches talking to clients when I can be and talking to consultants and talking to candidates because you have to evolve and you can't just talk about what worked 15 years ago and hope that's going to work forever. So I think that's, I think evolving, being authentic, listening to your people, learning from your people and allowing them. I feel that Office Angels is belongs to our people. It, 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 it belongs to, to the people that work here and they have to help us shape it. And I regularly say to them, you have to come to the fore and say, we need to do this better challenge us push us um, and I think that's what makes it what it is I, I really appreciate that answer and I, I'll say it certainly mirrors like my experience of working within sort of the Adeco group of brands and, and spending a lot of time with office angels like I remember being the design lead at the age of like 27 28 for what is probably the biggest academy in general yeah. staffing and I was given that responsibility and the first thing we did was go out to like senior managers like yourself who then said "Well, go to the consultants and see what they like I think it really shows that people matter and as a great manager you're there to almost serve serve your team aren't you Oh, I say this a lot. I am a servant leader. That's how I, and I, I think it's an honour to serve, actually. I think we have a wrong culture in the UK. We think the service industry is some kind of lowly. It's an absolute pleasure and an honour, in my opinion, to serve anybody, whether that's me having somebody round to my garden to serve dinner for, or whether that's, you know, in a hotel, whether that's a client, a candidate, or your own people what a wonderful thing to make somebody happy, to make somebody, you know, and, and we have an opportunity to change people's lives, as corny as that sounds, you know, people come to us, they buy our first house with us, they get their dogs, they get married, they go through births, deaths, all these things they go through in their life with us, and what an honour to share that with them, and you know, that's, I think, something that, for me, they're just people, they are great people and every single person, they'll never be a number, they'll never be a, you know, a payroll number um, or, a, or, or a, a thing, they are, they are the lifeblood and ultimately without them, you know, you, you don't have a business, it's nothing to do with a brand, it's nothing to do with who you work for, it's the people that make it. Yeah. Okay, I think I'm going to leave us on that great sort of ending and uh, yeah, servant leadership is the way forward. Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for your time today, Kate. For everyone that's listening, make sure you connect with Kate Garbett on uh, LinkedIn. Thanks so much, Ben. It's been so lovely to talk to you.